Hello, Madison Church. It is so great to be with you today. I am a big fan of your church and your pastor. Uh, Stephen and I have been friends for quite a few years now, and I love what you are doing to truly impact the city of Madison and beyond. And I got to say, you know, if you weren't a bunch of Packer fans, I might consider a move to Madison just to be a part of your church. It's actually true. (laughs) Okay, enough of that. Let me ask you, any dog lovers Any dog lovers at Madison Church? You know, somehow Lisa, my wife, and I resisted the urge to get a dog when our kids were at their peak dog-loving age. Now, I got to confess, I almost caved, but I kept picturing myself taking that dog out for a walk at 6 a.m. when it's like, you know, 10, 15 below zero. Now, I know dogs can be great pets. Many of them are incredibly smart. They can do amazing tricks, you know, like, I don't know, race through elaborate obstacle courses, run through tunnels, leap over fences, (laughs) But as amazing and as intelligent as dogs can be, uh, they also tend to do stuff like this. Take a look. Cute, yes, I got to admit. But because that dog won't let go, he is stuck. And I would say we're often the same way when it comes to our regrets. Right, our regrets. I mean, we all have regrets, right? It might be something we did and so wish we hadn't done. It could be that we didn't do something and wish we had, right? Or it could be, you know, something that happened to us. It was no fault of our own, but even so, we still regret it, right? Kind of like that dog, you know, we we tend to hold on to those regrets, don't we? We get stuck in what we call the sorry cycle, that endless pattern of longing and regret, longing and regret. You know, we long to make things right, to start over, but we just can't make it work, which only leads to what? more regrets. But here's the good news, okay? Here's the good news. Don't miss this. Regrets don't have to be a dead end. In fact, truth is regret is meant to be a helpful emotion that launches us into a better future and actually even closer walk with God. You see, our regrets don't have to be a finish line. They can actually be a starting line. That's right. Regrets don't have to be a finish line. They can be a starting line. Now, last week, we introduced you to David, a man who faced his regrets. Yeah, David, the one who took down the giant Goliath, the guy who wrote much of the book of Psalms. He was the king of Israel, a man after God's own heart. That's what he was known as, a man after God's own heart. Yet he royally messes up when he's smitten by Bathsheba, the wife of Uriah, one of David's very own best soldiers. David calls for her to come to the palace. And it's not for a friendly game of checkers, let me tell you. Uh, Let's just say that Bathsheba becomes pregnant. And uh, David finds himself in a horrible mess. And then to make matters worse, he plans an elaborate cover-up. He calls for Uriah to come home from battle, hoping that he would be with his wife and eventually think this child was his and not somebody else's, especially David's. But when Uriah then refuses to enjoy the pleasures of home while his men are on the battle lines, David then sends him back to the front lines and tells his generals to abandon Uriah so that he's actually killed in battle. It's a horrific story. And just when it looks like David will remain stuck in this cycle of longing and regret, longing and regret, God sends the prophet Nathan to confront him. And in that moment, David has a choice to go on hiding and denying or come clean and recognize his regret. Hide and deny or come clean and recognize that regret. Well, thankfully, David chooses the latter. And he takes that first step towards starting over. But here's the truth I think we already know. To simply recognize our regrets isn't enough. To simply recognize our regrets isn't enough. See, last week we introduced you to Greg and his starting over story. 
Uh, Greg sadly became addicted to drugs and alcohol at a very young age, and his choices just ripped apart his family. And when we left him in part one of his story, he just moved to Chicago where he was making his first attempt to get sober. Here's part two of Greg's story. Moving to Chicago um, and living with an aunt who was in recovery, even though I wasn't that attracted to the idea of, of AA meetings and recovery meetings, it was the only option that seemed available. So I found myself uh, beginning this path of recovery in Chicago. I stayed sober and um, a lot of great things happened. My family got back together. I graduated college and it was great. You know, all these good things happened. I felt very at peace with who I was and where, where I sat in the world. And so I'm mistakenly thought that those feelings of insecurity and those feelings of being lost and all that confusion that I had growing up was the reason I couldn't drink like other people. And so I thought since I'd solved these issues, uh, obviously I had solved any problem with alcohol or drugs and I can now go out and have a beer with a, and with a person and it wouldn't have any power over me. So I was probably about four or five years into sobriety um, that I made a conscious decision to do a little experiment and see if I could drink again. There were three rules that I had. Uh, one rule was that I was only going to have three drinks. I decided that I didn't want to go home with a stranger that night, um, so that was rule number two. But rule number three was that I wanted to make it to work the next morning. So three drinks, no going home with strangers, and waking up and going to work the next day. And so what happened was I have no idea how many drinks I had. Um, I don't have any idea what her name was, and, um, and I did not make it to work the next day. So I'm drinking all the time, um, but I'm not really ever hitting a bottom because I have, I mean, frankly, because I, I have all this stuff, I have all this money. I don't know how long that would have continued on. Um, had I not been tricked into trying cocaine one evening. And by tricked, I mean I was drunk and someone laid out a pile of cocaine and I did a big Stevie Nicks rail and instantly I knew this was going to be a problem. And the thing about cocaine and, uh, and later on crack is that it will instantly, no matter how much you have, it will take it away. And I'm kind of feeling at a loss of not knowing what to do. And so I called a friend of mine, uh, Grant, and I saw that he had something that I didn't have. He was open to talk about anything I wanted to talk about. And I wanted to talk about God. He suggested that maybe I should try going to a church. And so I was out in a treatment center in Oregon, and they would, you know, bus, bus us to church on Sunday mornings. And so I decided to go with them one day. And I hadn't been in a church for a very long time. And they began talking to me and making me feel welcome and inviting me to small groups. And I explained that I, I'm not going to live here, that I'm you know, going back home to Chicago. And um, the couple that I was talking to said, oh, that's great. We have a daughter that lives in Naperville. Um, you should probably talk to her. She happens to be visiting this weekend. Turns out she goes to the very church that I was thinking about going to check out, and she invited me to, um, to come by. And I, to this day, I have no idea who she was or who they were, um, none, I, I don't recall. But that began me coming back to church and, and finding my way back to God. Not only am I not drinking and doing drugs, but I've now found my way back to God. I'm attending church. Um, my career is great. It's never been better. Uh, I'm serving with this high school students, and, uh, and I end up meeting a girl there who's today my wife. 
so frankly, I'm, I'm on top of the world. I mean, things couldn't get much better than, than they were going. And so I forget to pay attention to the fact that even though everything's good, there's still certain things I shouldn't do in life. And suddenly I find myself thinking, uh, as we're out to dinner one night, um, that maybe it's a good idea if I order a glass of wine with dinner. Honestly, that was the beginning of a very, very long and ugly, painful cycle in my life. That glass of wine quickly became cocaine and that quickly became uh, heroin. I found myself at a place that I just never thought I would ever get to and that's alone and homeless and hurting everyone that ever comes into contact with me because they try to help and I just, I just break their heart again and again. Your circumstances may be very different from Greg's, but you know, most of us know what it's like to get stuck in that cycle of longing and regret, longing and regret, right? And the first step to starting over is to recognize your regrets. I mean, we gotta look them in the eye, face them head on, and admit to ourselves, to God, and to someone else. But we can't stop there. See, next you have to release your regrets. That's right, release your regrets. You know, uh, my family and I, we moved to the north side of Chicago a number of years ago to help start more churches in Chicago. We run an apartment. That's where I am right now. So I am a tenant. I have a landlord. Most of the time, that goes really well. A while back, we were having trouble with our clothes dryer. It was making crazy noises, weird noises, leaving marks on our clothes. But when we signed our lease, our landlord asked us to sign a waiver saying that if the dryer goes out, it's on us to replace it. Yes, idiot me, I signed the waiver, (laughs) but I was still determined not to put a penny into getting that dryer fixed. So what do I do? Well, I do what any mechanically challenged man would do to fix it. I bang on the side of the dryer, right? (laughs) Shockingly, that didn't seem to help a whole lot. And it wasn't long before our clothes started coming out of the dryer with little holes in them. (laughs) And so I do what any smart tech-savvy American male would do. I googled dryer leaving holes in my clothes. And it was crazy because dozens of sites pop up with all sorts of questions and answers designed to help you troubleshoot what's wrong with your dryer when it's leaving holes in your clothes. Now, sadly, most of those questions still require some level of mechanical aptitude, and I do not have that. So I finally cave in, go to my landlord and ask for help. And you know what? They graciously responded, totally agreed to actually replace the dryer. I couldn't believe it. They were super gracious. Here's where I'm going with this, though. See, our regrets tell us something's broken, right? Our regrets tell us something happened or we caused something to happen. And like I said, first we have to recognize our regrets, but we can't stop there. And so today, I want us to ask some questions that I think will help us understand what's broken so we can begin to release our regrets. All right? Here are some questions that I think will help us begin to release our regrets. The first question I want you to ask is this, okay? Do you regret hurting someone? Do you regret hurting someone? See, our regrets are often most difficult when they involve other people. Because when we have hurt someone, we need to ask for forgiveness from the person that we have hurt. And I know it's so tempting to talk ourselves out of it, right? I mean, I'm like this too. You know, we we may be afraid we've caused damage just beyond repair. We don't want to be rejected when we awkwardly attempt to seek forgiveness. But as hard as it might be, having a face-to-face conversation with that person may very well be what it looks like to release that regret. 
You know, the Apostle Paul uh, is writing to some new Christ followers, people a lot like you and me, about how to love one another. When he says this, he says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you. See, Paul knew we can't control how the other person responds, but we can begin to release our regret when we've done all we can to live at peace with someone. So if you regret hurting someone, ask for forgiveness from that person and then let it go. Just release it. A second question we can ask is this. Do you regret committing a sin? Do you regret committing a sin? Not a real popular word. Is it sin? No. Aren't you glad you tuned in today? I mean, all sorts of good news, right? We, we start with regrets. Now we're talking about sin. I mean, <laughs> what's next? Bacon is bad for you? <laughs> no, 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 no. Don't, don't worry. Bacon's not bad for you. Not too bad anyway. <laughs> One author describes sin this way. Sin is the culpable disturbance of shalom. That's a mouthful, right? The culpable disturbance of shalom. You see, God hates sin not because it violates some law, really, but because it wreaks havoc on shalom. The wholeness, the oneness, the peace God wants for our relationship with him, each other, and our world. Sin is anything that runs counter to God's dream for our lives. Sin is relational. It puts distance between us and our God who loves us and always has our best interests in mind. And too often, see, I think we stay stuck in denial about our sin. And for me, it's usually pride that stands in the way. But I do know this. I can't release my regret until I first own it. I just can't. I can't release my regret until I first own it. David understood this when he was confronted by the prophet Nathan. And, and that's why he said, I've sinned against the Lord. Now, we might say, no, David, you know, actually you sinned against Uriah. You slept with his wife and then had him killed. And while that's completely true, you see, David understood that there was an even bigger reality at play. He also sinned against God. He disturbed Shalom. He put relational distance between himself and his heavenly father. So how do we release this regret? Well, we ask God for forgiveness. Now, I, you know, maybe, you know, praying to God isn't something you're used to doing, or I don't know, maybe it is. Either way, depending on where you are, maybe in your journey, it's something all of us can do. Out loud, silently, or through writing, we can ask God for forgiveness. He wants us to. And that's how David released his regret. You know, most scholars believe that David penned Psalm 51 just after he comes clean, admitting to Nathan all he had done. If you haven't read it in a while, I'd encourage you to read it. David writes, have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions, wash away all my iniquity, cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. And at the end, he says, against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. I mean, do you hear David owning his sin there? And I do. Owning the wrong he committed against God. He then asks God to help him start over. The verses that follow might be familiar to some of you. Created me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. He's crying out to God, begging God, asking him for forgiveness. Man, in this prayer of confession, David seeks to restore his relationship with God. And you know what? If you don't know how to ask God for forgiveness, I would encourage you to try praying David's prayer in Psalm 51. Let that be your prayer of seeking forgiveness from God. You know, John, one of Jesus' closest friends, 
reminds us when we confess our sin, God will forgive us. That sin is gone. Not it. No longer around. God no longer recognizes it or associates us with it. Hard for us to imagine, but it's true. So do you regret a particular sin or sin pattern? Ask God for forgiveness and then release it. But maybe your regret today is not a sin that needs forgiveness. Maybe you haven't hurt anyone, but you still feel the pain of regret. And so the third question we can ask is, do you regret making a mistake? You know, a few years back, Lisa, my wife, and I, we celebrated our 25th wedding anniversary with a trip to Italy. So fun. We'd been sightseeing for a number of days, and we were kind of just tired from spending so much time on our feet and walking miles after mile after mile. And so we decided to sleep in on the second day in Rome and just kind of take it easy And then at about 7 a.m., we were awakened when my iPhone began to vibrate. My son, Graham, wanted to FaceTime from back home. This was not going to be good because I quickly figured out that if it was 7 a.m. in Rome, it must be midnight in Chicago. Then as I cleared my eyes, I could see on my phone that Graham is standing near a busy intersection in the loop of downtown Chicago. The first words out of his mouth were, Dad, everyone is okay, but I just totaled the car. (laughs) Yeah, suddenly I was wide awake. And then he told me that a careless driver had struck him broadside. Now, truth is, my son had no business being in that part of the city at that hour of the night. So he felt horrible about what happened and kept on apologizing. And on occasion, you know, he'll still make mention of it. And like any, you know, grace-filled father, I always remind him, hey, Graham, it was just an accident that cost us thousands of dollars. (laughs) But you see, when we make a mistake, I mean, we haven't sinned. My son didn't sin. We still feel bad, right? So how do we release this regret? You forgive yourself. Yes, forgive yourself. Stop replaying that story over and over again. Stop dwelling on the if-onlys. You know, like if only the Chicago Bears could just get one quarterback half as good as Aaron Rodgers. Yes, I'm angry. Bitter. (laughs) Good luck in the playoffs. Whatever it was that you did, it was a mistake, and you got to let it go. So regret making a mistake, forgive yourself, release that regret. Final question. It's a little different than the first three. Maybe it wasn't your action or inaction that caused your regret. Could it be that the regret you feel is there because you've been hurt? Maybe you were simply in the wrong place at the wrong time. Maybe an adult mistreated you when you were young. I don't know, maybe your body betrayed you when the doctor uttered some of the scariest words of your life. This type of regret can be some of the most difficult to release. Did you happen to see the movie or read the best-selling book, Unbroken? Yeah, Unbroken tells the story of Louis Zamperini. I love that name, Louis Zamperini. He's the former Olympic track athlete who spent two horrific years in a Japanese prisoner of war camp during World War II. Zamperini was tortured by prison guards in ways that are difficult to watch on screen or even read about in a book. After being released, I mean, he dreamed, had dreams, literally had dreams of getting revenge on the soldiers who had abused him so severely, and you can't blame him for it. But in 1949, Zamperini chose to follow Jesus, accepted his grace and forgiveness. The following year, he traveled to Japan to visit some of the imprisoned Japanese war criminals. He actually embraced his former guards assured them he'd forgiven them. And then years later, he tried to reach out to the guard who tortured him the most, but he refused. Zamperini was disappointed, but knew that the forgiveness in his heart had long since freed him from a prison of hate. 
Amazing. How did Zamperini get rid of his need for revenge? He forgave. He chose to release his former enemies from what their actions actually deserved. To release this kind of regret means we need to forgive the offender, even when everything in us wants payback. Even when it means we're left with all sorts of unanswered questions. And you know, to be completely clear, to forgive is not to excuse, to overlook, or even forget. Forgiving is to let go, to release. I'm often reminded of these words from author Lewis Smedes. To forgive is to set a prisoner free and discover that the prisoner was you. Let that sink in. The Apostle Paul (laughs) writes this. He says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. So if it is possible and safe, reach out to that person who has hurt you. It also may not be safe or possible. That person may no longer be around or that person may not be safe or you may not be yet at a place where you can do that. And that is okay. You know, releasing your regret, it could start with something like writing a letter, putting your thoughts on paper, you know, writing about the pain you feel and how you want to release from it, be released from it could be extremely helpful. You may never mail this letter. But sometimes just the action of writing it can help you be so helpful in your journey towards healing. You might need to find a small group, a support group that can help you, or a Christ-following therapist. Get some help. And one last caution about these types of regrets. You know, sometimes in our, our pain, we start to question God's goodness. And that's completely understandable. But let me assure you of this, okay? God, God is never the author of evil. He is not your enemy. He feels your pain right alongside you. How and when he chooses to intervene, we don't always get. But please don't run from God. Whatever you do, run toward him. Tell him how you feel. Question him. Talk to him. He wants to help you release your regrets. All right, I'm going to wrap up with this. I'm sure that you've been thinking about at least one or two regrets that are weighing on you as we've talked about this today. So let me ask you, how far into your future, how far into your future do you intend to carry the pain of your past? Starting over is for everyone. Remember, regret doesn't have to be a finish line. Folks, it can be a starting line. No matter who you are or what you've done or what you've not done or what's been done to you, you can live a life beyond regret. And just as David chose to release his regrets to God, we've got to call out to God and release our regrets to him as well. You know, in a few uh, weeks, We'll be on to another series. Stephen will be talking about something else and something really important. And and that's all good. Uh, But don't let another day go by wishing you would have taken this chance to start over. Because you know what? That would just be another regret. Don't let the pain of regret go any further into your future. Make the decision to let it go today.